Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Santosh Patel from Complete Specialty Solutions. Santosh, man, I love your company. I love the concept. And specifically, there's a couple offices that you work with that we do and you know, we have together. And they love it because, you know, your guys will come in, your docs will come in. They, they bring the stuff, they set up, and you know, a lot of times the doctor's not even there and has uh, sometimes the best day they had that week right. in, in income. And I love, you know, I love the concept because to me, it's about helping the, you know, bread and butter general dentists that I think are kind of the lifeblood of the industry. And so I'd love to hear the origin story of how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Eric, uh, for, for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled just by your comments on how our practices feel. You know, I, I would say still kind of to our, to our core, we're more focused on the patient experience, side, which is odd enough because mm-hmm. we don't actually own the practice, right? Um, mm-hmm. But so, you know, so my background, you know, I went through college, kind of went through variations of different, uh, you know, employment histories and eventually got into the healthcare arena and, um, you know, went and moved to Houston, got my master's in healthcare administration. I ended up working for one of the largest health systems in the nation on physician practice growth and had great mentors and leaders and was able to, you know, be successful and kind of progressing through my career there. And I eventually got to really a COO role where I was managing over 300 physicians and building multi-specialty physician groups. And that was kind of the vision of just, you know, hardcore operations and execution operations. And eventually there's some M&A. But, um, you know, my wife's a general dentist and we owned a practice in Houston. And, you know, essentially kind of the story was she pulled me in on a Saturday to help her with emergency patient. I'm over there trying to figure out how to suction and, you know, she's yelling at me to think physics and, and, and so I, I don't know what that means. And, but ultimately she tells the patient, uh, you know, she gives them some antibiotics, writes some pain meds and was, was telling the patient, like, you, you're going to have to set up some time to speak with an oral surgeon and I'll send a referral. And as I'm sitting there chair side, you know, the very first thing the patient says was, why can't I do that here? And, uh, you know, as we're driving back home, I said, well, you know, why can't you do that? you know, in the, in the practice. She says, well, I'm not an oral surgeon. And that's a, that's an extraction that, you know, is out of my kind of scope and comfort level. And, you know, from a patient experience standpoint, it's better for the surgeon to do that. They can do it really quick versus it could take longer. And, and if I did it and I said, well, no, I get that, but, but why not just have the surgeon come to your office? Right. You know, in, in the medical world, I was, I was doing that. I was bringing cardiologists in orthopedics in you know, neurology and into the one central hub of family practice and primary care because patient compliance would go up, you know, patients didn't want to go elsewhere. And so, right. you know, when she, when she told me, oh, that's, you know, some of the larger dental groups and DSOs do it, she goes, it's almost impossible for small groups and, and solo practice. So it started triggering, you know, the thought process on, you know, why is that the case? Um, and so spent some more time going through LinkedIn, finding specialists, you know, just cold blasting messages out to them to, Hey, just trying to do some research, which we open to a 15 minute call. And as I learned more and more about it, yeah, tra- specialists hated traveling. <laughs> they just absolutely hated the concept of packing up stuff, going somewhere where they didn't know who they're going to see, why they're going to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I realized it was really the level of operational support that was needed and just mm-hmm. true transparency. So um, a buddy of mine, you know, had a healthcare tech company and, you know, I stayed in contact with him and 
we started brainstorming ideas together. We pulled a couple other of our other colleagues and friends together. So we started the company five years back. So I left the medical world, jumped straight into dental, knowing nothing about dental uh, other than, you know, how I was helping my wife, you know, she was kind of uh, managing her practice. It's been a, it's been a journey, uh, you know, really kind of with that same core focus of, well, we know consumers, you know, regardless of the industry, consumers want convenience. And if that's shopping at Super Target, Costco, Amazon, right, they want convenience and they want it to be, you know, somewhat at the same kind of affordable measures as possible. So uh, our vision is, well, how do we do that for solo practices and small groups? Um, and really, that was kind of our core focus. And then we ended up also mm-hmm. serving kind of large DSOs as well, just by nature of, you know, the model that we have. But we wanted to operationalize the traveling specialty. We didn't want to be the staffing company that just introduced you to the specialist and walked away. We wanted to have the technology in place that really streamlined the workflow, made it seamless, uh, and just integrated and really kind of enhance that patient experience. And so, you know, you, you mentioned uh, we have some shared clients and, you know, sometimes those are, you know, really productive days and many times they're not even at the office. Um, and that's, that's extremely humbling for us, right? Because we're there, we're, we're bringing value to their practice. Um, they trust us enough to open their doors and let us work within their, their homes and, uh, and take care of their patients. And so it's, it's been a good journey of how we started and excited for uh, our continued progress. Yeah. Whenever we talk to prospective clients about it, that, that we have, and because there, there hits a point where, you know, they just can't. They're already working for four and a half days. Right. They're seeing 40, 40, you know, whatever new patients a month. They, you know, their schedule is, is, is full. Right. Um, and we see this as a way to increase production, but so walk me through the patient experience. So I, I, I go in, I see my dentist that she says, you know, I, I need an extraction mm-hmm. and there's a specialist coming in, uh, you know, two Tuesdays from now. Yeah. Walk me through then kind of what happens operationally uh, sure. with with complete specialty solutions. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, it kind of even starts before that. Right. So it starts actually with the marketing element. So, you know, previously a general dentist who maybe did not place implants just didn't market implants. But it's a great procedure to market. But by now having this service in their in their office, they can now actually market that as a service. And so. So a patient arrives to the practice, the general dentist assesses the patient, completes their exam, and then really comes up with a comprehensive treatment plan, not just would be nice to do or needs to do, but a, a comprehensive plan of everything for that patient and, and goes through a, a detailed. And so I, I know a lot of folks get excited about a case acceptance of 90%, right? Well, the best, you know, some of the best baseball players are batting 400 and that's because they're, they're, they, they swing. Right. And so, you know, build that comprehensive, you know, treatment plan and, and be confident in the plan. But they, you know, educate the patient on the need of the treatment um, and the importance and the urgency around it. And then they say, you know, we actually have for the convenience of our patients, we actually have Dr. Joe Smith, our oral surgeon that comes to the practice, you know, a couple times a month. What we're going to do is we're going to send your information over to Dr. Joe Smith and make sure that they can look at your x-rays, your medical history. And um, we're going to get you tentatively scheduled for the day that he's here. We'll get you down for 11 o'clock. Um, but then we'll call you back to go over your, your full treatment plan after we've been able to assess everything. And so, you know, typically that, that journey takes about 24, 48 hours. Um, that referral is submitted through a software that we've developed on our own. 
with the help of actually five front desk employees who said, please don't add more to this. Just keep it really simple. Uh, so thankfully, yeah. our adoption rate is great. And they submit the referral. Then we have a team behind the scenes that completes the insurance verification. We have a team of coders that work with the doctors. And then we have our team that actually calls the patients to go over the treatment and present it to them, provide some financing options for them. And everything is really billed through the practice. Um, mm -hmm. If there's any pre-op needed for, let's say we're, you know, because we offer IV sedation. And so if we're coming into the practice, we've already, you know, we have our, our supplies, equipment, everything that meets the state requirements, we have DEA, everything's kind of signed up, appropriate, compliant. We call the patients, we go over pre-op instructions. If there's any medical clearances needed, we, we gather that information with our team. And then we're there on the day of. So we, we wheel in with all of our equipment, I mean, all the way down to gauze, right? So we bring our own gauze mm -hmm. simply because we know exactly what our surgeons are going to want. And so we provide all that information. We provide consent forms. All the documentation's ours. We bring our assistants, our surgeons, our instruments, or supplies. And we also provide a front desk employee that comes in to really help navigate and be that air traffic controller for that day for specialty. Um, and then we render care, take care of great patients and uh, wrap up and, and head out. And, you know, we, we typically do one location a day uh, per team and we'll have two or three teams per market going at the same time. No, I've seen them show up in the morning. It's quite impressive yeah. to, to see them come in and get set up. And I'll tell you for me, I like the comfort and the relationship that's built, even though they may only be there once a month or mm -hmm. once every two weeks, I like that they build the relationship with, you know, not just the doctor to doctor, but the, the entire staff gets involved. Right. Yeah. No, no, I've always been impressed. Yeah. Now I know it doesn't happen often, but I do want to ask like, what happens if there's a problem with the work or what happens if yeah. the patient wasn't compliant? I, you know, any number of, of sure. reasons that things go bad. How, how do you sort of navigate that between the two companies? So the first part is, I mean, that's why we want the information in advance, right? Well, that's why we want to leverage our technology so we have access to, to the x-rays because we want to determine if the case is appropriate for that setting and that environment, right? So we, we go with the mantra of right case, right place. You know, is this an appropriate case? Or is it a case that's going to require a lot of follow-up and, you know, uh, frequency of visits? Mm -hmm. If that's the case, and we're only there once a month, it's best to probably refer that case out for the patient experience standpoint, right? But, you know, if something happens, let's say after, you know, some wisdom teeth extraction, the patient still has some pain, maybe a few days after, all the patients have uh, the phone number of our specialists. They get contact information through our tech, tech platform as well. Um, but then we stay engaged with the practice if the patient ends up calling the practice or, you know, ends up just showing up at the practice. When I got into dental marketing, you know, almost a decade ago now, almost no general dentist did a lot of endo. Invisalign was around, but not as big as it is today. You know, so there's not the big ortho push. Mm -hmm. You know, more and more dentists now are doing all on fours, right. uh, general dentists than ever. How do you see the industry shifting as general dentists take on more, you know, what used to be classically specialist things? And as technology, you know, brought to bear, you know, there's more cone beams in general dentist right. office now where, you know, things like that. How do you see the industry trending in, in that regard? It, it should. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, the, if the general dentists want to continue to gain their skill sets and training and, and they can determine case selection. I mean, I'm not a clinician, right, but I, but I see it. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are some great general dentists doing specialty work. 
Um, we're not seeing that as the common. I think what it, what ends up happening is private practice owners, you know, small group owners, they tend to feel the pressure of having to complete these treatments, even though it's outside of their comfort zone, because they don't have an option for the patient, right? They want to be a comprehensive solution. They don't want to refer them out because there's no certainty that the patient's going to come back. So they, they feel somewhat forced to having to, you know, provide that, that level of care. And so that, that's what we found is we we're coming in. Uh, we'll come into a practice. We'll do an opportunity assessment. We realize, okay, well, we already see that you're placing X number of implants. You know, I don't know if there's enough opportunity for a specialist. And they're like, no, trust me, there's plenty of opportunity. I actually take two to three times longer placing an implant than you would place an implant. And Mm -hmm. I have enough operatories where you can continue to work at the same time that I'm working and driving in new patients, seeing new exams, driving up our practice opportunities as well, um, and then working in collaboration uh, for that. And so, you know, I think you're always going to have, you know, dentists who, who want to learn, they're eager to learn. And, and, you know, again, rightfully so, I think it's important that they continue to, to you know, enhance their skill set and competencies. But there's enough opportunity out there. Uh, I mean, I think less yeah. than what, 30% of 35% of patients actually end up going to the dentist, right? So the, the, the challenge is not how do we get more market share of implants? The, the true question is how do we get more patients to go see the dentist, right? Right. Um, and so that, that, you know, is what really, as an industry, everyone needs to kind of stay hyper-focused on. Similarly, we don't look at other agencies as competition. I think I think I'm in competition with education, and right. I'm in competition with insurance companies. I'm in competition with many other things. Yeah. Um. But but you know, marketing is not really really one. Now, you you kind of touched on it briefly. Um, what is an ideal client from from a physical space? Because obviously, sure. you, you know, if, if if I'm a dentist and I'm working, you know, we can't be you know working at the same chair and from a physical space, from a production, from a, you know, number of procedures they do, what do you kind of see as an ideal client to, yeah. to partner with? From a physical st a facility standpoint, we'll come in and look, look at the room. I mean, you know, ideally we're at least looking at some space that has some elbow room for surgeons to come in, anesthesia monitors and equipment. Um, but, you know, we typically would only need two operatories, you know, if it's a really busy day, we're using three operatories and uh, for surgery, we typically are there in the morning. We're kind of out by one to two o'clock. We can really see and stack the schedule pretty efficiently. Um, and then if the general dentist wants to open up, you know, all operatories at the end of the day, then that's an option. But we do become an operatory hog whenever we implement ortho, because at that point, at the end, you know, when, when school's out, we want all chairs. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, really because of what value the revenue and the patient retention brings, the offices are open to it, right? They're like, yeah, absolutely take this day. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dial back some of our hours or we'll do admin time and, you know, you guys can have the chairs. But from a production and level opportunity, you know, really what we look at is if you're referring out for the same type of specialty, so, you know, if it's thirds and I implants, if it's endo cases, if you're referring out at least five patients per month, that can help justify a specialist coming in at least once a month, right? And the reason why I say that is once you actually start tracking and going through this system, that five very easily becomes 10, right? And it becomes a system and everyone knows, and, you know, you, you know how to have the conversation with the patient, make sure they understand kind of the continuity of care plan. 
Um, but we always want to kind of start at that level first. And, and that's also part of our technology piece is you, you may not know if you're ready for specialty. And part one is go ahead and start tracking in, you know, this unique platform where you can kind of see your variations of, of cases and then even leverage that to help recruit if you're wanting to do it, you know, stand alone and do it yourself. Obviously, we're only in Texas, but for groups that are outside of Texas, you know, we have uh, folks who are using just our software because it helps them track it and then it helps them go recruit specialists uh, for it. And so, you know, if you have at least and you can demonstrate five to 10 referrals per month, healthy referrals per month, then it's it's enough of an opportunity to to integrate within uh, your practice setting. Now, do you see practices start with, you know, I'm, I'm assuming oral surgery, but I might I might be wrong and then sort of add the others or do you see them sort of their their typical progression another way? So it's either oral surgery, peri or endo. Those are usually the three. And that's actually how we recommend it as well as just picking, you know, again, assessing what's being referred out the most. What is the general dentist just not feel as comfortable with from a treatment standpoint? What is their age range of active patients? I mean, if they have a healthy age range of 14 to 25 year olds, you're going to probably have a pretty healthy, you know, wisdom teeth opportunity within the practice. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll target that first, build that for the first six months, make sure, again, it's like muscle memory. Everyone understands on the team, how is this discussed, how is this engaged? It starts with the hygienist, you know, having that preheating conversation before they get to the general dentist. And, um, but once we do that, then we take a step back and, you know, again, we've already tracked all the referrals so we can assess and say, okay, we're, we're in here now for perio. We think endo is a good opportunity for us to start adding. Right? And so then we'll launch the second specialty in the practice. We, we tend to wait for ortho. Um, we will watch and track referrals for at least 60, 90, 120 days to make sure there's a healthy number of consults for, for orthodontic treatment. Because once you start bracketing patients, you know, your goal is to not really, you know, kind of disembark the practice on, on short notice. You know, you're, you're really, right. you, you want to be, be with the practice and build that practice up. And so that's one of those where you want to, you know, be mindful of you know, stepping in now. Sometimes practices will call us that have already had ortho in their practice. They have active patients and we end up being sometimes like a rescue plan where it's like, I don't know who's going to come in and, and see these patients. I don't have the desire for it. So what we'll do is we'll assess that and come up with a plan and, and really help and, and kind of rebuild that program from there. What are the typical questions you get from general dentists when you begin to talk to them? So, uh, you know, you ask one of them uh, post-op questions, which we always love when that question comes in um, because they're, they're really interested on in making sure the patient experience is there. Um, they do want to know, you know, the, the level and, and skill sets of the specialists. Right. And so we, mm. well, we, before we start anything, we always get a, a meet and greet in place and make sure the specialist meets the office and the team. Uh, we get the green light from both sides, right? We want to make sure it's a good clinical fit, good philosophy uh, of care kind of uh, mindset. And so once we have the, the green light from both of them on that side, then we kind of look forward to schedule the next day. Um, and then they want to know workflow. So, you know, if it's out of network, how does that structure for the patient? Um, you know, a lot of patients don't, don't really care about out of network. They care about out of pocket and they mm -hmm. want to know how much is going to come out of their pocket on these, on these treatments. And 
the, one of the benefits of being in a practice that you're already there is, you know, your imaging there, you don't have, you know, the, the technology allows us to do curbside consults. And so there's a lot of advantages for the patient on that side as well, both financially and just time, right? Not having to come out another appointment, but, um, and then they want to know, you know, it's harder when we first started because they're like, well, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, oh, three months, right? And so they're like, okay, this is, you know, you're probably not going to last very long. <laughs> so they want to know how long are, you know, have we been doing this? How, you know, mm-hmm. skilled are our doctors and our teams? And uh, and then they want some references. And so we're happy to share that with them. And, um, but that's, that's you know, the typical question on, you know, FAQs. And then on the finance side, we have kind of a revenue, you know, uh, like, again, we're we're seen as an associate, right? Just like, they would pay an associate, they would pay our company as a fee, as a percentage um, uh, to be able to kind of pay the specialist, pay our team, and really take care of all the logistics as well. But the, at the end, you know, the practices are able to retain somewhere between 30 to 40% of their production. And when we're covering all expenses, that really kind of drops back down to profit and EBITDA, which is obviously, you know, vastly discussed now in the, in the dental space. Now, do you have an average on what a specialist will do for a practice? Yeah. So, you know, let's just look at kind of our, our traditional, which is OS Perio, right? And so mm-hmm. in the first six months on average, they're doing right around six to $8,000 a month, right? Because they're, they're getting in the rhythm, getting in the flow of, of volume and cases and earning trust with the general dentist, the hygienist, and everybody. And so... Um, that's an average, right? So we have, we'll have offices that do more and, and, sure. and sometimes we have offices that do less at the beginning, right? And again, it's, I refer it to as riding a bike, right? So at the very beginning, you're going to be wobbly and, and that's just the way it is. But right. once you get into a rhythm and you get some speed, you become steady. And after month six to 12 and 24, we're starting to average 12 to $15,000 on, on those production days. I'll take a uh, three or $4,000 day for not having to go to the office. I mean, that sounds pretty good. You know, yeah, I was, uh, I was just actually just talking to a, uh, a client, prospective client, which I, we already signed him up now, but you know, he, for a year, he was like, no, no, I think you're, you know, we, we charge, we have a premium, right? Cause we're a full service sure. comprehensive approach. So, uh, you know, our, our fee could be 65, 67% of, of the production and, and he came back and said, well, you know, I could do it on, on my own for 50-50. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, you can. You know, if you can go find someone and you know, recruit the teams and, and do all that, yes, you know, it's, it's, it's possible. There's many groups and practices that are able to figure that out, right? Um, mm-hmm. But a year goes by and he struggled with it, you know, and, and was really struggling with knowing that he was having to refer out so many patients. And so ultimately, you know, we, we worked together on this. A specific case and and he was like so if i do this case in my practice and i'm just handing the case to you and you're doing it all on a surgical standpoint he goes i'll still walk away with five thousand dollars of profit i was like yeah and we just need your operatories from eight to noon two operatories <laughs> and he was like this is just amazing <laughs> i was like yeah it's it's about i mean it's a huge value add the patients win because they Get to stay in the place they love, right? The office wins because they generate retention and revenue, and then our teams win because you know we're going to the referral source. This is my opinion, and it 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 might be mildly unpopular, but I find dentists salted there. I mean, I think they're by and large great people. I do find them to be fairly myopic in 
and maybe just a little bit behind, I'll say, the trends of technology and industries and consumer demand. And I think it's a function of, you know, for years, no dentist had to market. And sure. then uh, with the rise of private equity DSOs, they, they brought marketing to bear. Now suddenly right. private practice had to market. Now you have almost no general dentists that don't market. And, and online scheduling is the next bastion. Every dentist thinks their scheduling is so unique right. and, and, you know, personal. And, and in reality, like consumers are going to push you to online schedule at some point, yeah. right? Because you can do it in almost every other industry. And the, the other one was, you know, scheduling out. Um, every dentist had, you know, the good old boy network of, of, you know, this is my guy who doesn't know this right. is the person who does, you know, and as a consumer, I don't want to go out yeah. to other places. I, I, and in fact, you know, I want there, the big shifts in consumer behaviors are, I want a company that I can relate to and shares my values, you know, what, what, however those are, and I want convenience. Right. And when you talk to dentists and they, they, they're pushing off online scheduling and they don't want someone coming into their practice and they, 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 they want to hang on to these, you know, this, the old past, I do find that they are going to be pushed, dragged, or led into this consumer centric, sure. you know, behavior. And cause say what you will about the internet, it is the great equalizer oh, in yeah. knowledge. And while there's a lot of you know, misguided information and things like that. Even though I, I now see specialists coming into practices, I now see online scheduling. I, I now see these advancements. Right. And, you know, I, I think dentists need to get on, you know, at least be aware yeah, of what's happening. I, I agree. I, I will also give a counter argument to that, right? So coming from, you know, my wife owning a dental practice, I mean, we're getting calls nonstop about the next solution to change your practice, right? And yeah. it's, well, you should yeah. do this. You should implement this. You should buy this. And, and it was a constant to the point where you just didn't trust anybody. Uh -huh. <laughs> you just don't trust anybody anymore, right? And so you, you start to believe, well, yeah, everyone says you should do this. And you know what? Right now, nothing's broken. I'm just going to continue to stay status quo. And, and so I, I understood that perspective. And I got that perspective because I, I kind of lived it, right? Where everyone's like, well, your marketing team sucks. Your website sucks. And I'm like, but every marketing team has told me that. And every website company has told me that, right? Um, it's like, well, you know, your imaging is terrible. And you would do this much more if you... You know, sell three more, more. If you sell three more patients, you would pay off your imaging. I'm like, but how is that driving in more patients, right? Right. So like, you would hear that from a dental office owner perspective. You would see it, and you're like, okay, I see why the guard is up. I respect why the guard is no up. doubt. Mm -hmm. And then, because I had to deal with the same thing, right? Like I'm going in these practices, and I'm telling them like, like there's actually no cost to you. Like we're literally serving your patients in your practice and then you cut us a check after like there's no upfront cost no no i don't want to do it okay um and so i realized you know going through that mindset is you're going to have folks who are just it just takes them a little bit longer to agree to that this is you know the future right um <laughs> one of the examples i started to use in my discussions is i i respect and, and continue to go through your decision making process i'm not going to pressure you into making a decision because ultimately if you're not happy with it you're going to blame you know us for pressuring right? but the example i would use is think about blockbuster and think about netflix right blockbuster thought they had the solution they didn't want to deviate from it anything that was new is too off the wall and no one would adopt to it 
And um, mm-hmm. that ultimately was their demise, right? And Netflix was constantly innovating, constantly focused on operational excellence and always looking at their end user, which in our scenario is patients, right? But they're always looking at the end user. They're going to continue to grow and expand and take market share. And, um, and so I, you know, I, I, I see it from the dental practice perspective. I try to use that as an example of you have to make some changes in the practice. Maybe not everything has to change, but you have to start making some changes. If you're not changing, then really the end is near. No, I mean, we, we see it in our space and I, I think we're both blessed and cursed with this in the, you know, sort of internet space or the technology space that, that our company's in. Like the marketing we do today is, while I would say we run Google ads, we run video ads, we run Facebook and social media. It is fundamentally different in approach than it was three and four years ago. And, you know, a good example of that is uh, four years ago when we ran ads on social media, we wanted them to be big, bright, shiny, look like ads. I mean, like flaming skulls with teeth or whatever, you know, and now we want it to look authentic and organic and we want it to look like just a normal post. We don't want it to look flashy. Right, right, right. And, you know, the creative has shifted and, and, you know, uh, Google ads used to be a, a disproportionately huge amount of budget. And now it's very, very minor. And, and, uh, so, you know, we've really adjusted it, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that what you're doing is needed in the market and I, I think it's great. We want to be able to build a comprehensive approach, right? And mm-hmm. to their patient base, I think it allows practices to equip their marketing teams with more, right? If, if you're only doing crowns and, and fillings, then are you really allowing your message to spread to a larger audience? And if you're not, in, you know, including Invisalign, if you're not including implants, you know, you're making it that much harder on your marketing team to really kind of target really now a, a rifle approach of your right. avatar of patient. And so it, it becomes incredibly difficult to, to be able to do that. And so we hear it all the time, like, oh, yeah, we never marketed implants, but now we do. And now, it's, you know, driving in new patients that are now, you know, part of our practice for their crowns and fillings, but also, you know, an implant. There's certainly the bulk of patients will just look for dentist near me, dentist in my city, dentist in my zip code, dentist in, you know, my, my town, whatever right. it is. You do have some very educated consumers now that are searching for higher end treatment yep. of, you know, I'm looking for all on four implants. Yep. All on X yep. is a term that we never saw in search terms. Right. And now we see it, we see it. Um, we see snap-on dentures. We see, we're seeing a educated consumer come in mm-hmm. and they need to be served. And, um, you know, but yeah, man, thank you so yeah. much for taking time. I know you're, you're busy and you're, I see you everywhere um, from happy hours to on, on, you know, podcast to, you know, talking to all of our friends that we, we have in common industry, but you know, Santos, thank you so much so, for, for your time. And, and man, I appreciate thank it. Thank you. And, and Andre, I've, uh, you know, I know we met each other probably about three, four years back and I've always enjoyed the, the partnerships and you guys do great work for the clients that we serve and uh, excited about continuing to work with you guys. So thank you so much for having me on here. I appreciate it.